Hello and welcome once again to episode 67 of Code Completion. We are a group of iOS developers and educators hoping to share what we love most about development, Apple technology, and completing your code. My name is Dimitri and I'll be your host once again for this episode and I'm joined today by my fellow completionist, Spencer. Hello. And Fernando. Hello, hello. So earlier today, Apple just announced the opportunity for unlisted app distribution, which inspired us to instead do an episode about sideloading. Um, it's that thing that everyone seems to want, but nobody seems to realize we already have. So, yeah, what better topic to discuss? <laughs> um, now, the most like obvious thing that developers know, but normal people may not necessarily know, is if you give Apple $99 a year, you can install and build absolutely anything you want on your devices. This includes other people's apps. Like You can just get it, re-sign it, and put it on your device, and everything is great. Um, so... Yeah, from a developer's perspective, like sideloading already, already there, right? Yes. Yes. Sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, sure. Um, so with that, like as an example, there are um, like emulators for game consoles, right? So like you can mm-hmm. put the Dolphin emulator on and play... Uh, Wii and GameCube games, for example, and I've done that yeah. before just to like try it. Ends up that you need something to kind of do just in time compiling, and it doesn't work as great as you might think, but it's possible. Uh, other mm-hmm. emulators are a lot easier, but yeah, um, you just change you know the bundle identifier and your your team basically to make you sign for it, and it all works out. So that's definitely an option. Um, However, so you, you mentioned that you just have to resign it, but that would only be if you had access to the source code itself, like if it was open source. Not necessarily. Right? So um, you can the signing happens after the app is built. Um, so you can go oh. ahead on the command line and take any IPA, basically, um, or it's not even an IPA at that point. It's just a dot app. You still need to package it as an IPA, which is secret sauce, a zip. Um, and you can then just go ahead and load it on using Xcode or the old fashioned ways with iTunes or the finder nowadays. Um, and yeah, all you need to do is give it a valid provisioning profile and signature and you're good to go. Um, but as you said, Spencer, like there's a ton of apps on GitHub that like are open source and they basically explain to you how to do this like step by step because they know like normal people are going to want to do this as well. So step one, Mm -hmm. download Xcode, step two. Uh, click the build button, step three, plug in your device kind of thing. Um, or reverse Wait the order Wait for those. the uh, Apple Watch to finish uploading symbols. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that, that one takes, like, between one and two weeks. So good yeah. luck. Um, if you have more than one watch, just give up. Um, yeah. It's been getting worse, right? I don't want to go on a tangent. It's been bad. Yeah. I, I, I think mean... with Xcode 12, there was something that was, like, legitimately broken about it where it would just sit yep. there and wait. Mm-hmm. that was annoying yeah and the worst is it's because your watch needs to like give it permission to trust or whatever that for whatever reason it can't remember like i do this daily uh yeah. to trust it and if you mess up because the cancel button is way large <laughs> and the okay button is really tiny it's really easy to mess up <laughs> and if you mess up it's like good luck what i usually do take off the watch put it back on re, re- like log into it and then it usually asks at that point um and that's when i'm lucky my That's God. awful. Yep. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, as as a paid Apple developer, you can install absolutely whatever you oh. want on your devices. So that I is was gonna totally I was gonna ask. Um, did 
Do you know if it's still possible to download like a modified RPA like through a web link? Like I remember that on the days before Testflight, you had like a payload, um, what JSON yeah. text file or whatever. Please, yes. Maybe? So, so that's actually a great point. If you're a paid developer, you can distribute apps for others as well that they can go ahead and download. So, uh, there's a few ways to do this. You can go ahead and do this with an ad hoc profile. So basically, that's it. you ad-hoc. ask someone else for their Apple for their device UUID. Um, mm. And they will give you that UUID. You can put it in a profile, uh, create the IPA through Xcode, like uh, through the ar- usual archive process, and you can put it up on a web server and let them download it. Yep. In fact, this is uh, how TestFlight, the original app before Apple purchased it and acquired it, uh, worked. It would automate a lot of the system to make it easier. That said, those uh, identifiers are locked to your... Uh, developer account so i think you have a hundred per device type no that changed a while ago isn't it like a thousand now it might be a thousand per device type but it's It's not a lot but it's limited yeah 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 Yeah. Yeah. and you have to manage it and if you delete one you can't reclaim it until next year um (laughs) so there's there's that fun caveat there it's not meant for letting anyone and everyone kind of use an app it's just there to kind of smooth the process a bit uh, when you need external testers. Um, so that is totally an option. If you are a big businessy corporate thing, you can have an enterprise certificate. Um, yep. And this is the same process. So you make an ad hoc build. The only thing is an enterprise certificate uh, doesn't need those UUIDs. So anyone can go ahead and uh, install it. They just need to go to their device management settings and say trust. Um, and then they can run the app that they downloaded uh, via this method. So um, that kind of covers uh, the manual process of distributing your app like to the outside world and what is possible there. Yep. I remember I remember before TestLight having to, uh, to do that with a couple of builds. It's funny because, um, again, I, I don't want to go on a tangent here, but, but it, it, Apple does make things easier generally. Uh, but by making things easier, they obfuscate a lot of the uh, actual complexity behind this. Like, I'm pretty sure, I'll probably ask a few of my mentees, but I'm pretty sure none of them could explain to me how provisioning works. Like, at all. I can't explain to you how provisioning works. <laughs> it makes no I, sense. I have a presentation. It is frustrating. It is annoying. That's true. Uh, and it's so easy to get wrong. And as soon as Xcode kind of like managed it for me, I very happily yeah. started ignoring all of it. Uh, I, I agree. It was like a mess. The yeah, thing from is, day one. in theory, it's actually pretty simple. It's just in practice, we usually tend to screw it up. Yeah, and by we, I mean mints. Apple and my computer. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You need to download a provisioning profile. You need to get a signing certificate that's like tied to that provisioning profile or something. I don't know the details there, anymore. It's so complicated. Yeah, there were so many pages you had to go to just in the develop in your developer account. It was so confusing. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I joined in late. I'm sure it was more confusing. And this was back per app that you needed yeah. to like set up. It was horrible yeah. back then. Yeah. Although in fact from the very early day you could create a wildcard certificate and it. that was like awesome. But then Apple's like stop using this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <Which is> possible. <laughs> That's exactly so, what I was going to say. Yeah. 
Yeah, so we've also then got, uh, kind of getting back on topic, like test flight as a side-loading mechanism. And Fernando kind of brought up some interesting ideas on this uh, in our initial chat before we decided to make this uh, uh, topic. So as far as test flight goes, how how can you use that as sort of a side-loading mechanism? So test flight has, uh, it has been improving a lot. Right now... Um, I haven't used like the public link, but I'm pretty sure you can just upload a build to TestFlight, um, have it go through a review process, which is completely opaque. But uh, I think uh, my gut feeling is that it's a lot less strict than the actual App Store process. Though I've had some TestFlight builds. I don't know if they like get lost in the queue or whatever, but I've had some TestFlight builds take like 48 or 72 hours to be approved. And Way sometimes, longer than regular builds. Yeah, and sometimes they're very quick. So who knows? I have no idea. Maybe they just run the automated stuff for test flight builds. Yeah. Uh, anyway, once you go through, through the quick review process, uh, for a build number, um, you can update that build. Uh, no, sorry, sorry. For a version, version number. number. Yeah, that's yeah. right. So once you approve like my app 1.0 for test flight builds, you can just upload unlimited 1.0 builds as long as you keep increasing the build number. And none of those go through review again, as far as I can tell, right? So in theory, and I don't think anyone has any actual data on this because we're all so very afraid of the king finding out. Uh, but in theory, you could just pass the initial review, go ahead and change whatever you need to change, upload your emulator or whatever, um, upload a new build number, uh, with the same version number, and you should be good to go for ten thousand people. So uh, the the and reason this is not ten thousand devices, it's Apple IDs, and they can install yep. on as many devices as they want. Yep. The reason I originally brought this up is because, in th I think this is as close as we could get. Like if Apple would lift the ten thousand user cap, this would be as close as we could get to like sanctioned side loading. Mm -hmm. But then Dimitri brought up a few good points about uh, in-app purchase and iCloud, which I think go hand in hand. But uh, yeah, I don't know if you want to fill us up, Dimitri. Yeah, so first of all, to have TestFlight, you need a paid developer's account. Yep. So that's one thing. That's for the developer, though. That's not for the people like downloading. Um, they can be anyone, so that's really nice. Uh, but for the person that's uploading, you need to have a paid developer's account, which is $99 a year. Um, which in the grand scheme of things is probably the least of your concerns. As Fernando said, you need to go through a review process, which means that if you upload your your emulator as is, it's probably going to get denied. Uh, you need to upload a dummy, this is my first app thing, and then yes. let that get approved and then upload your emulator. Um, you mentioned the public link that totally works. Uh, I've done it before uh, for apps in general, and it's very nice. Like You just put yeah. that link out and people can download it. Uh, or like click on it and join into test flight themselves they can onboard themselves which is neat um one thing to note is i don't know how easy it is to manage your ten thousand uh email mm. list um you can choose a group which the the test flight link it like is connected to um and then i think you're relatively free to kick people out and then like rejoin like open up spaces again like that is not really um uh, like strictly regulated so you can quickly sort by who is actually installing it kick people out that are not using it and 
bring in new people as you need. So not too many downsides there. Uh, that said, it is a test flight build, which means it is a sandbox build uh, from right. the point of view of in-app purchases and uh, CloudKit um, and all of that fun stuff. So anything that requires a live, like on the store kind of experience is just not going to be possible. Um, I guess you can put your own credit card processing if you really feel uh, okay. like trying to get banned. Like that is totally something <laughs> you can do. <laughs> I think so one one additional thing that that just came to mind is that you're also limited by time. Uh test flight builds have a 90 day limit. 90 day. 90 day, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so even if you could like even if Apple gets rid of the 10,000 cap, like it would be very annoying to have to update every 90 days. Yeah, um, agreed. But even then, like it's interesting the the 90 day limitation I think is a true limitation, but the other uh like not having access to real in-app purchase and not having access to CloudKit, I mean, I think that's part of the deal, right? If in my hypothetical scenario, Apple were to make like test flight, like sort of a sanctioned, quote unquote, sideloading mechanism, uh, I think it would be fair to say, all right, you do you, but you don't get access to CloudKit, you don't get access to in-app purchases, and maybe you don't get access to any anything else that requires like Apple servers, which I think is fair. I mean, no I, maps. I, yeah, <laughs> no. I was gonna say no weather API, but they're not providing a weather API yet, so um, that one will probably be a killer for a lot of apps yep. uh, if they do add one in the future. And by killer, we mean Sherlock. No, I'm kidding. Maybe. <laughs> well, it's already a, there's been a weather app since day one. You can't you can't call that one a Sherlock. <laughs> well, no, I can't. But I can try. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. A fun fact about the weather API, uh, the United States government provides a free weather API for basically all the U.S. and the rest of the world. Like, it's it's global. Um, so you can get all this data yourself uh, as long as you kind of do so in a rate-limited way and respectful, uh, like, don't, like, spam the service. Uh, but that's how Dark Sky works. They just wrote a wrapper on top of that. Nice. Um, yeah. So Where I think it used it... to work, right? Because <clears throat> they yeah, got acquired? Yeah. Yeah, they yeah, got acquired yeah. by this, this fruit company or some some sort. Um, and now they probably use that same API. Yeah, I'm sure they do. I thought it was more than just like NOAA or whatever the API, the government API was. Mm-hmm. I think it was kind mm-hmm. of a, a conglomerate of things. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Um, so, so you kind of also got like building to your device as a free developer, just like I talked about kind of initially. Mm-hmm. We've got the ability as developers to kind of just put whatever we want on our device. You can also do that with what would be called a personal team in Xcode. You just sign up for, do you have to sign up for a developer? No, account? I think you just download Xcode. You say, yes, I agree to your terms and conditions. Oh, um, that's it. Which is not Add an binding. Apple ID. <laughs> and then you're kind of good. So the only limitation then is you can put, what is it? Three apps on your device at a time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it, it's pretty limited in how it like constrains you, uh, because yeah. it's it's really meant for the student use case. Like sure. you don't have money, um, so you got these devices from your school, uh, and you just want to learn how to use this thing called Swift or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so this will help you kind of do that in a way <clears throat> where you might have been limited by the simulator up until that point, but now you can actually run it to your device. Um, itself right. right so i remember when we were teaching uh well and when i was teaching at both boot camps um 
we'd have students just, you know, not need a developer account until they actually needed it. And so when they wanted to run things on their device, they'll run into this limitation. I can't remember if it's three apps or whatever. But then when you want to put a new app on your phone, you just delete the old ones and you're good oh, to go. Oh, right. So I remember that. In theory, you, you know, you're like, oh, I want a GameCube emulator, a Nintendo DS emulator, and I don't know, a Game Boy emulator. And that's your three. Then you're like, oh, I want to try, I don't know, a PlayStation emulator, just delete one, which is kind of a pain. But it's a free option, assuming you don't have a paid developer account. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so same as, as the paid kind of setup that we described earlier. And um, is there but... is there a limit on, on the number of devices? No. That's a good question. Neat. I don't know. That's yeah. pretty good, because so if, like, if, if there was account. a limit, that would be very frustrating. Like if I suppose I have an iPhone how many devices... IPad, yeah, like how many devices realistically are they going to have under yeah. one app, one Apple ID? Yeah, before the point where a ninety nine dollar a year thing doesn't seem starts seem seeming trivial. Like, oh, I have my seventeen iPads. So what am I going to do? <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, that said, uh, someone was very smart and they noticed that if Xcode is doing this, they too could do this, right? Um, so Spencer, do you want to give us a, a brief overview of what the alt store is? Yeah. So the alt store is, uh, basically the only, I suppose, um, <clears throat> alternative app store realistically in, in kind of the, I would say normal sense of an app store. Uh, for iOS devices. So what it is, is you uh, have an app uh, running on your macOS device. And well, yeah, kind of, I honestly, I don't know exactly how it all works. But through this macOS app, you install a plugin for mail, and that's running some sort of way of refreshing certificates for your phone but it also will install an app called alt store on your phone um and it's basically just uh, i guess like if you're familiar with repositories from like the Cydia days of jailbreaking mm-hmm. it's kind of like that you add repositories um there's some built in so the guy's name is Riley. Um, I can't remember his last name, um, but there are a couple apps on there. One is a Nintendo DS emulator. One is um, that's actually only the only one I can think of. But Delta. in theory, Delta, yeah. Um, but in theory, what it allows you to do is completely skirt the app store, but also distribute your app. Perhaps if it, for example, like Delta, the DS emulator that would never actually get on the real app store. And so it's sort of this alternative store, alt store, for uh, distributing your iOS apps in theory. But uh, I, And I've used it before just to kind of see. And um, it's, like I said, you have to have this mail plugin that <clears throat> what it does is it's you have to give it your Apple ID and your Apple ID password, and it will continuously try to re-sign apps for you. And that's kind of what Dimitri was bringing up with Xcode doing oh. the signing. It's just uh, this, somehow this mail plugin, and again, I don't really know what the link between the mail plugin is, but this plugin will connect, try to connect to your device every generally seven days is when the certificate expires and re-sign the app for you so it doesn't expire in seven days and it kind of continually well, does this. in theory, 
we were discussing like uh, packaging the IPA with a certificate and whatever, and then mm -hmm. putting it on a web server, right? And you can just click a link and download it. You can yeah. also like another sanctioned way back in the day was also through email. You can send someone oh. an app through email and they should be able to install it. So yeah, I the think, IPA directly via yeah iTunes. directly. So I think that probably has something to do with it. That's really interesting. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I, I never understood like why it has to be a mail pl plugin, but maybe that's what it is. I was just thinking, why isn't it just a normal Mac app and you know you can do the re-signing on there, but maybe that has something to do with it. Yep, maybe. So it's an interesting idea. Um, <clears throat> I've kind of been following it for, I don't know, a year or two now, and the um, the theory is that it's they're going to start opening it up to... Um, be able to actually sell things on that alt store and actually, you know, have revenue where I think right now, if you add another repository, it's just kind of like, as soon as the repository is on there, you can download the apps, but it's not like the developer themselves is able to make any money. As far as I know, at this point, I could be wrong. So yeah, it's, it's not really a store at this point. It's more of yeah. just a, a, uh, in the gaming terminology it would be a launcher, right? Uh, sure. A way to kind of get you, those device, those apps onto your device, um, and take care of the details for you, so that way you don't really have to worry too much about it. So it's interesting. I think it's cool. I think Apple would never get to the point where it's sort of officially sanctioned, but um, you know, this unlisted app distribution is, I suppose, a rights a step in the right direction, if a very small step. Yeah, so oh, yeah. we didn't yeah. really talk about what the unlisted app distribution is. Yeah. Um, but this is a brand new thing that Apple just announced. Um, and it allows you to create uh, App Store records, essentially, like stuff on App Store Connect um, that still goes through review. It has all the same parameters as a regular App Store app, except it does not show up in the actual App Store. Um, so you need a direct link to go ahead and download it. And Apple basically says hey, you control who has access to this link, not us. Mm -hmm. So, uh, like, you can put it behind a, a forward and make sure that you only give it to people who are authenticated, do whatever you need to do, but once they have this link, they they have access and they can continuously update uh, from there. So that's on you to kind of uh, decide. You cannot migrate an app from the regular store to this. It needs to be a new record, um, even if it's on the business store, which is another like sanctioned off app store kind of method of distributing apps that we didn't even discuss. Um, but you require like all sorts of other stuff for that. So, uh, I, the whole reason sideloading came up is because like at first glance, this feels like, oh, Apple is folding their hand and they're giving us something like sideloading when in reality it has nothing to do with that. It's just, here's the solution for the people who need to distribute an app like uber for drivers for instance you don't want everyone downloading that app by accident um so you want to be able to uh kind of have that available but for people to download but you don't want to advertise that it's available uh, and there's all sorts of apps that meet these requirements um and traditionally companies have just gone through the enterprise distribution route which I think Apple wants a sunset if this is kind of becoming available because it allows them to review everything and know mm. what is going through rather than um, like random casino games that 
generally is the way that the enterprise certificates are abused. Like we hear about, oh, Facebook abused them, but like by the 10 times more, there's like casinos that are popping up and getting shut down all the time because that's like the other use case for them. One thing that uh, we are all like a bit cognizant of is like outside pressure forcing Apple's hand. Um, Mm -hmm. And that is something that governments will likely do uh, and are starting to do. Like we've seen it in South Korea where uh, the government is basically telling Apple, hey, you need to allow uh, third party like payment systems and uh, so and such. Uh, The Netherlands had a different one for um, what was it? Dating apps. Um, And now they're starting to give Apple a fine on the weekly because they're like, your solution doesn't exist yet. Come on. Uh, wow. Give us fifty million or five, $5 million dollars. It's five yeah, million up a to week, a, up, up to a max 50. of fifty, right? Yep. Yeah. So oh I, I have a feeling Apple's just going to pay them the check and be like, "Okay, moving on." <laughs> yeah. I don't even know. Like either way, this is a PR issue for Apple because they can is just so, say, like normal people. I don't think they care about any of this. So no, normal people don't. But other governments are watching, right? Because if, if Apple's like, eh, I don't want to pay, like, I'll just ban, I don't know, uh, dating apps from the Netherlands App Store, uh, that speaks a lot. If they do pay and they don't, uh, and like, they don't actually do the thing that the uh, Netherlands government wants them to do, that's going to say something to other governments. And if they do like pay... Like free money kind of thing? Yeah, yeah. And if they do pay and they do the, the Tinder thing or whatever... That's going to say something to the government. So really, Apple is in a lose-lose-lose situation here. There's no winning move. The winning move was to give us what we wanted before governments got involved. But it's way too late for that. And now, I think this this is going to be like the issue of 2022. It's starting very slow, but there's already, like quote-unquote, actionable items in several smaller places. Mm-hmm. So if, like, for, in- for instance... Um, uh, I saw on a post by DHH uh, that he was all like, if, like, Apple cannot ignore the Netherlands because they're part of the EU. So you don't want Netherlands to be like, all right, you don't want to make a, a deal with me. Let me bring in my friend, which is the EU. Sure. And that's going to be, like, interesting. I don't know. It's... I, at the very least, what we're seeing is Europe at the forefront of uh, digital rights enforcement. So one, one thing I want to bring up, because I feel like it's always possible. What if Apple says, like, you know, EU, we don't want to deal with you, and they just ban the EU? And PR-wise, I have a feeling Apple is going to be way more successful than the EU is, point the finger at the EU and said, it's because of them that we can no longer like sell iOS devices and iPhones and stuff. And I can easily see that being a disaster for the EU. Like just as much as we can have a situation where it's a disaster for Apple. Like it depends how the cards play. Uh, I, I think you're overestimating I think it's... Apple's goodwill in Europe. Because Europeans are very... Like from what I've read and seen, like Europe is angry that the Americans have the uh, the technological stick. Maybe. Mm-hmm. And I mean, Europe also revolted when the EU wanted to say, oh, like, gas bad, we need to go to electricity, and they burned down, like, cities. Um, 
like that's a that's a hyperbole but that like it did happen uh so i don't think the people of europe care as much about the same things that the eu as a government system cares about um so like as much as we want to say that oh the eu can step up and force apple to do this or that i can also imagine the future where apple just decides eh we don't we don't really care this much about you the eu and we can twist this, these facts as much as we think we can which is not the right thing to do like mind you i don't i don't um, think that that possibility but, exists to be honest like i'd like to to see like how much revenue uh apple derives from the eu and i'm pretty sure it's at least i don't know what 30% like it's a sizable it it's probably a sizable um number I'm going to guess China eclipses it. (laughs) Yeah, I'd say the U.S. and probably, yeah, China and maybe, like, India make up a very large majority. But even then, um, like, I don't think think you can just do that. I think it would be insane if they just blacklist an entire, like, very large chunk of the world. There's so many layers to this because, like, Apple actually exists in Ireland. Right? That's true. So, but are they a part of the EU still? Depends on Ireland. <laughs> I think oh, they're yeah. part. I think I think they yeah, because North North Ireland is not part of the EU, and then Ireland is. I think they're part of Ireland, so they can get EU. But like, didn't benefits. the UK just like secede from the Union of the EU? So that it, would be North Ireland? Ireland is gone. So we're getting the into other like, Ireland is I, okay. We, Spencer, it's we were looking so smart here, <laughs> discussing Sorry. geopolitics and now. Uh, yes. Ireland? Where is Ireland? Is it in Asia? Yes, us North Americans, we, we know everything about geopolitics. We definitely don't pretend like we're the only people that exist. So I mean, we ten... only named our cities after other cities in the world and then assumed yeah. these are the only <laughs> cities, right? We have York, but it's newer. <laughs> you have Mexico, but it's newer. Yeah, <laughs> we even one up our our neighbors. So this is from the second quarter of 2018, so a while ago. But Europe was 22 percent of revenue. Like you can't just say, ah, screw it. I don't need that 22 percent. Like Tim Cook would get wouldn't last a day if he was like, we're gonna cut our revenue forecast by 22 percent. And we're going to get into a fist fight with the EU. Right? I mean, I, Epic essentially decided to pull that ex- exact thing. Against another company. <laughs> right? I, I, well, from Epic's point of view, that's the scale. Like, I would say Apple scale is the EU. If yes. you're talking about, like, a wealth point of view. Yes, um, but the, so. the intermediary was uh, the government. Here, your opponent and the intermediary are both the government. Like, I wouldn't want to get into any of that. No way. I'm not saying Apple will. I'm just saying it's it's a possibility in this wacky, wacky world that we live in. Um, and yeah. it would probably be very entertaining to watch that sort of thing <laughs> unfold. Um, because it, it honestly feels like Apple is headed in that direction. Like, Apple had so many chances to course yeah. correct this. But they have decided to keep their heads in the sand. Um, and yeah, they don't want to do it. And it, all they, of this, I don't know what endgame they're assuming here. It's like you know, 
in general, dictators, they don't last forever. People eventually decide the dictator's got to go. Um, and there's no good end game being a dictator. Like it's fun at first, but at the end you gotta go, and it's a it's a gruesome way. At the end, there's no like, That's there's no easy true. way to like just the last dictator in line. That's the one that suffers. But yeah, if you but get if you get to not, live your life as a dictator and then die peacefully, and then the revolution starts, ah, who cares? You're dead. Yeah, right? but I wouldn't say that's the vast majority of the dictators out there. You know, when why why are we we should we should do a history podcast. We should a definitely geopolitics not do that. No, nope, nope. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, the whole thing with like the the unlisted app distribution and all of these every step that they've taken have been so small. I think what they're trying to do, or at least what it seems like to me, is they're trying to give you an inch so you don't ask for a mile later on yes. like they're just like but it has nothing to here's do here's a little That's platitude <laughs> right and it's like yeah but and like dimitri uh brought up the uh, earlier today he brought up the article and he's like well this definitely isn't enough or this isn't what we wanted and that's the whole thing it's not what we want, but they're trying to make it seem like, ah, oh, but come on, like, ah, we're the good guys. We'll, we'll give you this. Just stop talking about it now, please, please. Mm-hmm. But it's, you know. There's literally zero incentive for doing it from them. Like, we're going to have to pry it away from them because it's, it's yeah, a but ton of the money incentive, The incentive is they get to control the experience because I would say the worst outcome of this is the government forces Apple to say, hey, if you have an iPhone and you go to a website and you tap a link, you should be able to download an app with no warning messages whatsoever and have it on your phone. Like that is, I would say, as someone who has watched other people struggle with technology, a horrible <laughs> solution to this problem. It's, yes, it's like you can downloading. Make the point. You can make the point that, oh, on Macs, we've been safe, but we've only been safe on Macs from malware through good tech hygiene, you know, yeah. the common sense of not clicking in the flashy yellow thing that says download me now. But I was just the vast majority of people will click that thing. Yeah, it's like, you know? how many times have you seen the um, download Flash Player thing mm-hmm. on a, a pop-up, right? My sister has a Mac, and she's like, oh, I, I had to download this thing. I'm like, no, come on. Like, <laughs> She's not, you know, dumb, but she's also not tech literate in the same sense that we are. And so it's very, I agree with Dimitri. Like, I don't think that's a good end game. I also, honestly... Like, the process of the alt store is cool, but it's also a process. And you have to have this mail plugin running on your computer 24-7. And sometimes you have to plug your phone in because it doesn't work automatically, wirelessly. Like, a first-party solution of some sort, I don't know what it is, but that makes it easy even to the layperson would be preferable. And, yeah, so... That that's I think the biggest problem is we need a solution that's going to work for normal people that's not going to get them like in serious trouble in one way or another. Which, like, let's face it, if we let but, anyone put software available, like that software is going to find ways to break out of sandboxes because sandboxes aren't perfect. I, I know everyone says, "Oh, but iOS has sandboxes. It's a perfectly safe system." Yeah, but no. Like there yeah. are but, plenty but is... of like ways that us as developers we can probably spend a week thinking of how to like abuse that in some way. Um, either just by like putting argument? an image. 
Huh? Where we're arguing a point that has nothing to do with the actual point. Like, I agree uh, the sandbox is safe-ish in the sense that it can be broken. Like, I'm sure there are mm-hmm. ways to break it. But that could happen right now. Like, yes, there, there have but... been countless apps, uh, emulators for one, and there's a ton that we can point to where you go into the app as a, like, inconspicuous app. And then, boom, you lift a flag once you're through review, and that's it. And that's Yes, even... but there's one record to delete at that point, if that makes any sense. They have a kill switch for, for apps on the iPhone. Okay, so I, here, let me break that right for you right now. Uh-huh. I make an app that really messes with stuff, okay? Bad app. I make it so that way every download is slightly unique. There goes your way of killing it. Does that make what sense? What do you mean slightly unique? Well, it just randomizes the code path, so you get a different signature every time. It's a different app for every person that downloads it. If that like makes any sense, it's totally possible to sidestep a lot of these security concerns if you don't have a single place where you have but, like a but... record for it that, that needs a human to like submit new entries and go through the whole rigmarole again to get it there. My point is that I think a review process for apps to be downloaded is a necessary part of our future as like a technology-based society. Like we need some sort of human to kind of look at stuff and at the very least moderate how much stuff it gets added so that way if worst case scenario you have a fraudulent app that's like stealing money from people or convincing them to do other uh, things that are not going to help, then you have a way to like kill those apps in a reasonable way. Like, yes, we can say, oh, you can scan software to determine if this is malware or not and then delete it afterwards, but you need to have reports of that. You need to kind of get that information funneling in when the vast majority of people that have crap all over their Macs like ask me to help them fix it. Like, none of that helped. You know, because yeah. they didn't download anything bad. But, they just downloaded a bunch of adware that should have never been allowed in the, in the first place. Does that make but sense? But we already know that the review process doesn't actually help with that. Like, for example, uh, for example, uh, the issue is that the review process is fallible. And any process is going to be fallible, right? You just have to decide whether you want it to be fallible towards the permissive side or fallible towards the unpermissive or whatever the word is, restrictive side. Mm-hmm. For example, the whole the whole world debacle um, that happened a few weeks ago with the mm-hmm. world clones and whatever, like I don't think the uh, world clone that became news and Twitter and whatever from that guy, I don't think Apple had a right to remove that app. I think it was a ripoff. I think it was a clone, and I think the the dispute should have been between the owner of Wordle, and the other person. Not between Apple, because Apple did not remove the Wordle clone until it was like it, everyone raised hell on Twitter, right? So it, it was reactive by marketing. I but don't they think were Apple... able to do something. But, but, my point, but my point is they shouldn't. How come they get to decide, right? Why, why do they get to decide? That's why we have like... A government with trade uh, trademarks, with courts and everything, they get to decide everything. So, in my point of view, review shouldn't 
shouldn't be a part of the process because of that. Like, I don't think Apple should have the final say, like, what if I want porn? What if I want emulators? What if I want everything that Apple deems incorrect? Like, here's another example, and, and I think it, it, this is a good one. Um, during the first months of the pandemic, probably the first two, uh, the general consensus was don't use N95 masks, right? Because they were in short supply and medical personnel needed them. But I think Twitter was one of them that Twitter or Facebook was one who started censoring whether like you should wear masks, whether the virus came from a lab, whether like several different theories and they started censoring them. And then it just so happens that over time, these things change. And so are we to expect that Twitter and Facebook, or in this case, Apple, are constantly monitoring every single situation from every country? Because they, they are in every country. And so I just think it's an untenable position here when it comes to the review. They're going to mess up. So why? I don't know. I think, yeah, well... I think Dimitri has brought this up before in like a way previous episode, but it would be interesting to have something separate from the app store that allows a much less sort of rigorous review where it's like, I agree mm -hmm. that, you know, explicitly right. malicious code should not be allowed. Right. However, I would love an easy way to download an emulator without having to sit there and compile it for, you know, 30 minutes or whatever. The things are huge. And, and there's pain. no guarantee to... that it's a good emulator or that it's not going to cause your battery to die yeah. or this and that, but it is not exactly. outright trying to scam you. Like, right. Exactly. I agree. The, so, the bar is low at that point. If you could literally have an alternate store, not the alt store, but like an alternate Apple sanctioned one mm -hmm. that is reviewed for malicious code, but like that's it. The review process that the bar is so much lower in that sense, but there is like a minimum level of, of quality. Mm -hmm. Not unlike kind of what we would assume the, um, the beta review process is like, where it's like your app doesn't really need to be that functional to, to get through that review. Right. Right. Kind of that to sort of thing. I think in the end it's, it's all about money. Like sure. jobs gave, gave an interview on, um, D8, I think, uh, where this quote, I love this quote, I'm going to butcher it, but, but he's like, just ask people, right? If your app wants to get permissions to their contacts, just ask them. And we should be asking them every time. Just ask them again and again and again until they get so tired that they tell you, stop asking me. I think that uh, ethos of like, I'm going to treat you like an adult, but I'm still going to be safe, like you should allow this or you should not allow this for so-and-so. Yeah. I think that's, that's what, what ultimately the ecosystem needs. It needs, are you sure you want to install this app? Yes. Are you really sure? Yes. Uh, put in your Apple ID password, get your face ID, uh, send me a letter, like some things that are <laughs> I mean, very annoying, but that, that's the thing is that we have that like through either, uh, the non-automated means of building yourself in Xcode um, or no, through but, but going through the alt store. Yeah, but the alt store is. Like, you can explain to someone over the phone how to install the alt store. And through that process, that's the same thing as, like, tap on this link 17 times to get through. Like, the level of... No, 
no. of annoyance is is definitely possible with what we have right now. It's, what it's I think not annoyance. We need, it's permission. Yeah, but that's right? what I'm saying. Like you can go ahead and install something in that way, and it will work for indefinitely. Like it's not something that Apple can then kill switch on, other than I guess malware for a specific build. Um, but that's about it. So we have we have those sideloading capabilities. What I think we need, because that's not enough. There are still laws that are going through that are trying to tell Apple, like, hey, you need to allow sideloading. Google allows sideloading, and still they're part of this. Hey, Google, you need to allow sideloading. Like, it doesn't make any sense from like a law perspective because the capability is there, and it's just as annoying as it needs to be as you said, Fernando, of treating someone like an adult, if you really, really, really want to put the thing that's going to blow up your phone in front of you, like you can go ahead and do that if you really, really, really want to. Uh, but you're going to get plenty of like obstacles along the way to try to prevent you from doing that. Uh, that exists. What I think we need is something that is more obvious from a, hey, it's just as simple as the App Store. Like You tap a button, you click a link, and it's on mm-hmm. your phone. We need that, but that cannot be anything. I think that has to be sanctioned in such a way where there's a record in one centralized place, in the case for Apple, App Store Connect, where Apple can go ahead and say, like, hey, you've, ha- you've made 17 spam things that are trying to uh, rip people off of all their savings. We're going to prevent you from making a new account. But they're yeah, not they can even go doing and make it a- right now. They're not even okay. doing that right now. Right? Yes, How could we but believe there is, there is the semblance that it's there. And I think that semblance ah, that it's there bullshit. is a little important because this... it puts a stop to just anyone going and doing it because now there are steps involved with getting it on the App Store for your scam to work. It's not that's as not simple. True. There's a ton of scams out there. Like, yeah. A ton in yeah, the App those... Store sanctioned. Yeah, but uh, Fernando, how many of those scams are of the variety that it asks you uh, to go to a store and get all your money out in gift cards and send it to... <laughs> does that make sense? Like, that kind of scam does not so, exist. Yes, there's less, a $200 uh, a year, a like... Oh, yeah, $200 yeah. a week uh, weather app, which seems like they are getting addressed just very slowly, and it's still super easy to find, like, new ones. But I think that they are addressing those to a certain extent. And I think that they can continue to address those at the capacity that they're addressing them while still having an alternate way for people to upload things that Apple has no say in the business direction of. Because that's ultimately that's what ultimately, we're... Yes. Yeah, like yeah, what I we're think concerned we all agree about. on that. Point. Apple does totally. not have mm. a right to tell some other business in the same like country that they live what how to do their business. Like that is something that if it's a legitimate business, they should have no right to yes. do anything yes. about. So Absolutely. that that uh-huh. as an option needs to become possible. And it needs to become possible in an easy way, as in the user just needs to tap a link and they can go ahead and download it. That said, I don't see how Apple should be forced to have anything that they don't agree with on their app store. Like it's their Agreed. Like, public gateway. I agree. So Apple... 100%. If they have this as a possibility, hey, guess what, Apple? You get to kick off so much junk from the App Store, you can have your pristine golden palace that you want yes, uh, exactly. that is spotless yes. in every scenario. Like, you search <laughs> for something, you only get useful results. 
Like, you can have that by Nintendo just allowing... Seal of approval. Yeah, the Nintendo right? seal of approval. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You can Perfect. totally have that as long as you also allow an alternative that can allow Epic to do what they want. It will allow Basecamp to have, hey, yes. not need a subscription. Like, hey, they can do what they want at that point. They're not doing yeah. anything illegal. And if they do something illegal and the government's like, hey, Apple, you got to remove this because it's illegal, then Apple can remove it easily, you know? Uh, and it'll be hard for legitimate business to kind of get back on if they kind of break those lower level rules right. of uh, kind of causing mayhem. And it will be hard also if, like, you as a scammer need to invent a new business every single time because Mm -hmm. that is also, like, there's also limits in terms of your government allowing you to do that. You know, like, it takes time. It takes effort. It's a little harder than just making, putting up a website and just putting some some god-awful scam that's just going to kind of ruin someone's life. You know, it's a little harder. And that little bit of like difficulty i think is super important just like you said fernando of like i should be able to download anything you totally can it's just a little harder that no one in their right mind is going to do it unless they really want that emulator um and they're gonna get in trouble for downloading the one that's going to blow up their phone and they learn that lesson and they learn it once and then they don't go through all of that effort again they're gonna be like well it better be easy otherwise i'm not gonna like i don't know last time was a disaster does that make sense yeah, I think your palace analogy was was right on point, especially like I think the issue is Apple wants to have their cake and eat it too with the review process. Like, yeah, don't allow f-ing weekly apps that charge $50 a week. It's very easy not to allow them, but they don't have the grounds to remove them because they're not doing anything illegal. It's scummy, but I don't think it's scammy. Because you get to like you have to to actually agree to paying that amount, right? It's just scummy and immoral, but it's not scammy. I don't, I don't think. I mean, we're getting in the weeds here, but the point is, if Apple re- did really have like an avenue to just be like, all right, you know what, you do you. I'm gonna check you for security purposes, but then you get to do porn, politics, uh, uh, drugs, whatever, what have you. I don't care. Just be uh, stand over there away from me <laughs> then they can kick then they can kick out all the stupid apps like the weekly apps the clones the web apps yeah. everything and then just say no we don't like your idea go and go the other road right go and take the other yeah. road i think but that's they can what only they do that do. while they're ahead that's the big problem agreed agreed because if the us government decides oh if you are an, a company that makes more than 1 trillion dollars uh, ever Apple, Google, Microsoft, done. Like, it's only singling them. And then they say, you need to allow alternate distribution in this exact way as determined by our panel of experts that had no knowledge of anything other than they were mad at Apple at one point. Um, Then that's going to be the worst outcome. Case scenario. Um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. And, like, examples of worst outcomes. Does anyone navigate a website nowadays and not hate the fact that it asks you uh, do you want to allow cookies i was just going to bring that up today dude that is something that the eu said on their high horse this is the way it's going to be and therefore all websites are now crappier like that's just a fact of life that the government does not make the best decisions 
GDPR, however, was a great decision. So, like, it goes both ways. But it it requires a lot of nuance that not everyone that's outside of the technology sphere really kind of categorizes very well. Um, And it's very easy for us as people who are really comfortable with technology and don't make bad decisions very easily to say that, oh, no one makes bad decisions. But the same goes for, like, everyday people. We can say, oh, be responsible during a pandemic, and everyone's going to be irresponsible (laughs) during a pandemic. Like, that is the fact of life, that not everyone has the same priorities or knowledge about the domain space than you do. Um, And it's... Ireland? Hello? (laughs) I mean, I think Dimitri's idea is, like, ultimately the best formulated thing. We should just, like, hit up Tim Apple and, and... Tell them what's what. I Should think. we make a, a whole website, the the whole petition thing, um, like to convince a, a dear Apple, uh, like Apple please save yourself. Dot com. Save yourself before it's too late. Kind of true though. It'll be. I don't think they're gonna do it. I think they're gonna have to have their hand forced on. I agree. I think. Yeah. I'm. I'm very very curious as to what what happens with the uh, Netherlands case. Cause like, I, I don't, don't think they're going to lose any money out of like making a decision like this. It would be a PR $50 million win. Dollars, I think no, it's like dollars an hour? pocket change. Yeah, I, I, someone made the, the calculations. It was like an hour worth yeah. of revenue. So it's nothing. Yeah. But, but uh, like I said, I think the implications are really, really, really big. So I don't know. Like where, where was it that they – in China – uh, they just jailed. I I read it a little bit ago. They jailed fifty uh, executives from steel companies because they underreported the uh, whatever for the uh, whatever. I don't know. Like their revenue for the fiscal year. No, or no, no. It wasn't a tax issue. It was like a weather thing. Like the uh, English is so hard. Global warming thing. Like their methane emissions. Whatever they underreported mm. them. And now they're in jail. And I'm like, well, maybe, maybe. I mean, the U.S. is the complete opposite, that it doesn't matter what happens. They're just not going to do anything about it, I don't think. So I, I honestly believe that the next move is on the EU. Uh, but we'll see. Just don't, not a repeat of the cookies, please. Not <laughs> yeah, a repeat. for real, though. Like, if a government suggests exactly what I suggested, maybe that's a win. Um, <laughs> I mean, I like, would sure. Yeah, that would be great. But like, realistically, what sucks is yeah, the, and they the can idea choose the who cookie. reviews it. Then, like, wouldn't that yeah. be the the best of like all worlds? Of yeah. the government gets gets their keys to the kingdom um, that we decided to give them. I mean, that's why we have a government. We choose them to to be in control and to make the decisions. Um, so maybe that's that's the ultimate outcome. I just worry that it's gonna they're gonna end up picking like making poor decisions as a result or it starts yeah. off great and then in 20 years when we've moved on from app stores we're still stuck using app stores because of like nothing else is changing right um yeah. and uh, everything has been debudgeted into into something else yeah i mean the thing with the cookies is like it's the pop-ups are always there it's a it's always like an accept all button or a customize then you have to go click freaking buttons to uncheck everything and it's like i'm and I it just doesn't even read... use a cookie to remember your options like that's <laughs> yeah the, i just the like absolutely worst redis- part of this 
yeah, I want to read this article. I'm not going to spend 10 seconds clicking, like, eight buttons for tracking cookies, only essential cookies. It's like, I, I'm just accepting all because I don't actually care that much. And so it's like, have we solved anything? No, we've just made an annoyance. I Somebody know, for send, me. send me a website that was like uh, one of those joke websites where it's like cookies, newsletter, article, blah, blah, blah. And then you keep clicking and you keep clicking and you never get to the actual content. It feels That's like that worst. nowadays, honestly. It really does. It's so annoying. Especially on like mobile where that pop-up is like a third of the screen. <laughs> yep. And it scrolls with with the thing, oh, like yeah. it's permanently like oh, blocking it's persistent. something. Yep. Ah, yeah. Good stuff. This week's episode of Code Completion is once again brought to you by Bon Voyage. Bon Voyage is a full stack iOS application development course from Johnny B. With this course, you'll learn how to build both a full iOS client app and an associated React administration application. The app and the site will integrate with Firebase as well as Stripe and Plaid. For, paid proce- for payment processing. Now, Bon Voyage is a place to book extravagant vacations and you'll gain the skills to build the iOS app from the ground up and integrate everything you need to provide a world-class vacation booking experience. To find out more and sign up for the course, visit Bon Voyage, that's B-O-N-V-O-Y-A-G-E dot app slash course, and be sure to follow Bon Voyage's instructor, Johnny B Codes, that's J-O-N-N-Y-B-C-O-D-E-S on Twitter, to stay up to date with all his courses. Thanks again to Bon Voyage e-commerce app course for sponsoring Code Completion. Johnny um, B. Coach s- tonight. Don't go. Go, Johnny. Go. Go. Sorry. <laughs> I had to. Excellent. Uh, so with all that out of the way, it's time for Compiler Error, a segment where I get to test my fellow completionist knowledge about Swift, Apple, and all things development. And today we have a theme, the Alt Store. So, oh my. Oh. Sidia. What an insidious compiler error. Statement number one Alt Store works by re signing the apps you download with your own Apple ID, making them unique to you, but they need to be re signed before seven days pass. Statement number two Alt Store gets around installation limits for free developer account by, develop- by running a server on your Mac to install it through iTunes' Wi Fi sync. Statement number three, since free developer accounts are limited to three apps per device, AltStore first uninstalls all provisioning profiles, installs the new app, then reinstalls the other provisioning profiles. Statement number four, AltStore also runs on Windows and Linux with the added benefit that iTunes is not required for the installation of apps. So Spencer, why don't you go first as the leading AltStore expert? Oh yes, such an expert. Um, okay, interesting, interesting things. I think kind of the thing that jumps out to me initially is number two. Um, I don't believe it uses iTunes' Wi-Fi sync, but I definitely could be wrong. I don't know. Wait, by running a to install... Which has been renamed many times, but it's still the same technology. But... <laughs> yeah, wait, so are you saying installs uh, the, the Alt Store app itself uh, through iTunes' Wi-Fi sync? No questions. That's cheating. No, you gotta take I'm it at face value. You gotta take it at face uh, value. All right. Well, and, and then the Ulster num- app and additional apps. So okay, everything go. goes through that. Okay. Um, number one sounds correct. Although there's a slight caveat that if you have a developer account, it can actually only you only need to resign them every year. 
but yes, that sounds Isn't right. Isn't it six months? I, for, okay, pause. For uh, development uh, builds, like through the developer certificate, I think it's significantly less. For ad hoc, I think it's either six months or a year. I was able to install something. I think it was Dolphin or maybe it was Delta. I, I don't know. With year. my developer account and it said it refreshes in 365. Yeah, because it, it's bound to your certificate, which is a year. Right? You have to renew once a year. Anyway, yeah. that, that's okay. probably a moot point for this. My bad. Um... Um, I believe it also runs on Windows and Linux. Man, this is actually quite tough. I'm, I'm kind of um, stuck between two and three. I don't the know. The more you it know, the sounds, harder. <laughs> I, yeah, really, for real. Um, I, I would assume that it uninstalls the provisioning profile for the app, but not all other profiles. I don't know. Um, this is tough. I. Hmm. I don't know. It's going to be like four. I don't know. I'll go with three. I, yeah, I'm not sure. I'm fairly sure there's a Windows version. I don't know about Linux. But I could be wrong as well. Okay, Fernando. Have fun, Fernando. You are wrong. But if you I are am. wrong, I don't want to be right, Spencer. It's number oh. three for me. Because I think... I think... Will it be a sweep? Yeah, I don't think number. I was surprised by number four because I don't know whether iTunes is required for installation of apps. Yeah, that I think it is, but I don't know. And and what I like about this one is I don't think you uninstall all provisioning profiles because if you were to do that, you would need to reapprove every profile, and I don't know how Altstore would say profiles that are not their own. So I, I think it's this one. I think it's that mail plugin, though. I don't know. Let's let's see who gets swept. So let's go in order. Uh, Altstore works by re-signing the apps you download with your own Apple ID, making them unique to you, but they need to be re-signed before seven days pass. This is absolutely correct because the personal apps, so Apple IDs, uh, they the provisioning profiles for those only make them valid for seven days. Um, so. And for that reason, I think it's not the certificate that it, we care about the expiration. It's the provisioning profile. So when you do a beta build, I think it's still six months. And I don't know what the development... It's a good question. Interesting. Like, Honestly, well, the, the profile does have a reference to the certificate. So I would be surprised if it lasts... Because the certificate year. can expire, but something you've installed from the App Store will stay forever. If that well, makes that's sense. good. That's because it's Apple's certificate. And the same on the Mac. On on the Mac, like if you have a developer ID and that expires, the app still runs. Right. So it's even using if it was system. distributed outside of the App Store. Really yeah. interesting. So that goes to number two. Uh, Altstore gets around installation limits for free developer accounts by running a server on your Mac, which installs it through iTunes's Wi-Fi sync. Uh, and this is absolutely correct as well. iTunes' Wi-Fi sync will go ahead and make a connection to the device and make ports available, and that's how you can kind of communicate. So uh, the app will communicate to the server and tell it, hey, I need this app that I just signed. Can you give it back to me? Um, and that's basically what it does. 
so it's pretty rudimentary. Um, I don't know exactly what the mail plugin's involvement in this is. I'm assuming it gets to run as an Apple process and therefore is more privileged. Right. Um, mm, and that's okay. probably what allows it to communicate over the ports that iTunes is using. Um, but that's that's just guesswork on my end. I'm sure there's a, a good reason for it. Um, which brings us to number three. Uh, since free developer accounts are limited to three apps per device, Outsource first uninstalls all provisioning profiles, installs the new app, and reinstalls the other profiles. Uh, and both of you think this is suspect, and the reason I would think it would be suspect is because although we're saying it's limited to three apps, we are dealing with provisioning profiles for some reason. Um, and unfortunately, that's what you need to do because the personal team... Uh, app limit is not an app limit it's a provisioning profile limit uh so you, the device will only accept three provisioning profiles from a personal team of any id so it can be mm-hmm. from three different ids it can be from the same id um and then it's not going to accept any new installations but if you uninstall all the provisioning profiles first let something install a new app and then put the provisioning profiles back you are in a great place to still have all the apps that you downloaded still maintain all the settings because the provisioning profile signatures did not change. And therefore, uh, you can go ahead and um, install more than three apps that way. Uh, So that's how it gets around that. All right, I got to go. Bye. (laughs) I was wrong. Which brings us to number four. Uh, The alt store uh, does indeed run on Windows. does not run on Linux as far as I know. Um, And it does require iTunes uh, to be downloaded. um, And iCloud, it seems. Uh, So iTunes and iCloud uh, need to be downloaded. I believe they uh, deal with some signing in terms of the communication with the device. And Mm. that's why it can maintain that connection. Um, there are some Linux like ports of certain parts of the system, like USB Mux Daemon, uh, which when you plug in your device will go ahead and make a TCP connection available through different ports. And you can basically say, hey, open port this on device and let me communicate to it. And that's how uh, iTunes communicates over uh, a cable. And Wi-Fi Sync basically does that cable emulated over Wi-Fi, mm-hmm. which is super jank. Um, but that's probably why... Uh, iTunes is necessary for this whole transaction. Gotcha. Sweet. I thought about it too hard, for sure. It was Linux. It's always Linux. It's always oh, yeah. Linux. <laughs> so, as always, I want to personally thank everyone for listening in this week. Please be sure to follow us on Twitter at Code Completion to know when new episodes get released. And feel free to tweet at us if you have a bin- opinions about the App Store. We want to hear them. Um, so if there's ever a topic you want to dig into in the future, let us know and we'll be sure, uh, to give it a try. Um, please be sure to share this with your friends and family so that way they can also be, uh, learning along with us and knowing where countries are because we are apparently very good at that. Um, and, uh, yeah. Once again, I want to give my thanks to Fernando, who is at From Junior to Senior. That's F-R-O-M-J-R-T-O-S-R on Twitter. Spencer, who is at Spencer C. Curtis. That's S-P-E-N-C-E-R-C-C-U-R-T-I-S on Twitter uh, for joining me this week. My name, once again, is Dimitri. You can find me at Dimitri Buñol. That's D-I-M-I-T-R-I-B-O-U-N-I-O-L. And we'll see you all next week. Bye. Bye. So, uh, Fernando left us, but it's just you and I now uh, for the awesome topic of universal control yeah so i 
just uh i think it was yesterday or the day before i was one i was about to in our slack group say like hey whatever happened to universal control and then i googled it and apparently it's a thing now uh yeah i didn't know it's just kind of released without any fanfare so i thought that was very interesting it's so it's part of the next set of betas yeah it's on ios 15.4 um and macOS 12.3. I keep thinking we're on like 10.12, and I'm like, that's ancient. Um, that is very so old I, at this I'm, point. I'm no longer able to like accurately give macOS version numbers without thinking too hard about it. But uh, yeah, it seems like it's finally been reve- brought back to the betas. Um, mm-hmm. And if you don't remember, this is what allows you to have like iPads next to Macs and then just move your cursor around, and the keyboard apparently follows along with it. Um, and all the gestures that you're used to, everything just works, and it seems like super magical. Um, so that's super exciting. Yeah. I have an app um, called Synergy that kind of basically does the same thing, except mm-hmm. between any Computer device, thing. like Windows, whatever, or yeah, minus any, iPads. Yeah, like desktop OS. Um, it's super nice, and it's nice when, like, with this this widescreen that I have, you can split it to do picture-in-picture. Picture. Well, not picture-by-picture, picture, I guess. Um, so it essentially turns into one, two actual 27-inch monitors, and, you know, it's all seamless, so you can have, like, a Windows computer on the right, and just using uh, Synergy to kind of go between that without having, like, two keyboards and... Uh, mouse or trackpad is super nice. So having that for like testing on a real device for an iPad would be super nice. I think that's like the thing I'm most excited for rather than actually using it as a feature. It's like just for testing apps on device. Mm-hmm. Without yeah, having because then, to... then you can just reuse the keyboard that you're currently using. Yeah. And you don't have to like switch your hands over to the little keyboard folio thing. Yeah, exactly. So that's cool. Um, yeah. So... Uh, I know you've been following Blender, but apparently now OBS is also getting help from Apple. Yeah, so I I literally saw this right before we recorded because that's the first time I looked at Twitter in like two days. Um, But uh, OBS just got a big patch that came directly from Apple uh, to improve the screen recording capabilities. Um, So that's super neat. And in addition to that, uh, the new macOS that's just coming out, um, like it's just in beta, so not available yet, uh, has a new screen capture kit. Um, mm-hmm. which allows you to capture the whole screen or individual windows or just an app, what have you, in a performant way so that way you're not like burning CPU cycles. So that's, that's, that's really cool. exciting too. Yeah, that's I know that... Um, <laughs> now that I think about it, I can't think of any apps really, but oh well, I guess like Zoom and Slack, for example, you can share your screen on there. So like that would mm-hmm. be nice for that. Well, and I would like to say, Slack. as someone who has tons of windows open, that experience is an absolute travesty <laughs> because <laughs> true, if true. you if you click share on Slack, I now need to wait. I've counted twenty five to thirty seconds for me to be able to choose anything. Like it's just going to oh be my. paused while it just enumerates the amount of windows i have i guess because you know it has the option for the screens and i have four of those which is already probably like three more than it's expecting um and then i have my innumerable amount of windows that i have open which right computer runs fine with by the way it's just slack will now barf on me um when it comes time to like choose a screen because i never want to share a window that's like a horrible experience i want to share my 
beautiful screen that I like cleared everything off. You can see everything in its glory. Yeah. Um, it's a great experience, uh, but that is not possible to do in a quick and easy way when you have lots of windows open um, with Slack. Um, same with Zoom. Um, it's yeah. just as bad there. Uh, so yeah, I'm I'm excited for this API because I know none of those apps will use it, but maybe a new app that comes out will use it and we'll be able to switch to that. That's why I'm excited. That's awesome. Is that what Blender is then using in this in this change, or is it something completely unrelated? For OBS, you mean? Or sorry, I have yeah, no OBS. Clue. I have oh, no clue. Okay. Um, it might just be that Apple put some effort into like doing it the right way rather than doing it the oh this is maybe the only way um, because like platform none way. of this is yeah. well not a cross platform way but um, like I'm sure OBS does not have a cross platform solution for recording screen like that does not exist oh that's probably they true. have Good like point. specific uh, implementations for every platform um, but none of these APIs are like well documented if at all they're all from like the 90s probably um like interacting with core graphics and the window server is probably not fun um so the chance to do it wrong is high um Mm -hmm. and you don't know if you're doing it right unless you're apple because they're the only ones that have the hooks to do it right um so this this ostensibly allows them to do it the correct way because apple just wrote the code for them and then it won't eat as much cpu as it would have otherwise right that's super cool. I wonder if it's uh, and if I mean you might know, is it uh, if it's just like an Apple Silicon thing, like it's taking advantage of the encoders on there, or if it's just a general macOS you know API. I think it's just a, a macOS well. API because it has the screen buffer, so it can go ahead and route oh. it to somewhere else at the same time. I mean, um, what's not that like called? an optimization per se, but just like using it the right way. Yeah, type of thing. Um, like, uh, what's the the sidecar thing that Apple has? Uh-huh. That yeah. essentially uses the same thing. They need to record the screen to send oh. it over, right? Um, That's fair. So that that is probably using this the same technology, um, and it does. So I did take a look at the screen capture stuff. It doesn't like handle sending it over the network. It just gives you the screen buffers in a way that you can go ahead and do something with whatever you need to do. Um, but that is probably way better than rebuilding the desktop from scratch with every window that yeah. they likely need to do at this point, which is why the mouse always looks jank. Like, it doesn't look like a mouse. It looks like a cutoff of a mouse that got slapped on top, you know? Um, <laughs> yeah. Sometimes it has, like, a little plus at the, the like, click point. It's like, who left that in? Um, uh-huh. So, uh, yeah, I expect things to be a lot nicer as a result of this new framework but also since the apis have been there to do it the jankier way and there have been a whole ton of like screen recording entitlements i've read uh to be able to do it the right way uh maybe this is kind of just uh cleaning up and making sure that's done in a performant way as well that's cool i wonder i mean (laughs) i guess i kind of know the answer i was gonna say what is what is the reason that apple's doing this and that the answer is money but like why are they exactly are they going after blender and obs is it just like market share of people so hey content creators you can uh record your screen now or you know i think it's like a last ditch effort to save the mac as a platform like the only native apps that are kind of left are either uh mac indies 
who mm-hmm. like never left to begin with, um, or they are from these open source projects. Like no big company is really making any native apps anymore. Like Adobe was yeah. probably, even though it's a native app, they're not using any of the native UI frameworks uh, or anything like that. Um, and they were probably the first to abandon ship to have a cross-platform solution that works well on Windows and Mac OS because your professionals are jumping between types of computers all the time. Um, they don't have just one kind that they're used to. Um, so I think Apple's trying to save what little is left um, mm. and to kind of cement the position that those apps have so that way they can't get overtaken further, if that makes any sense. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, I, I don't know if it's too little, too late. Um, but uh, I feel like it's a worthy investment from a giant corporation to kind of nurture its remaining like software ecosystem, especially when one side of it is doing great, the App Store, uh, and the other side of it is kind of languishing a bit and turning into... Uh, a place for web sites to be and that's basically it like that's what a desktop is for so many normal people is a place to open the web um and to navigate with a little more comfort than a tiny screen uh but people don't generally use computers for the tools that they can provide they use it as a web browsing device and that's the reality of it Uh, and that's why everything is turning electron because that i have no idea what that was um (laughs) but yeah i think that's what it is yeah i agree it's interesting that like kids are you know not using like a windows or a mac computer anymore they're just using chromebooks and kind of Mm -hmm. only getting trained in the ways of the web now yeah not because that's that's honestly the platform that has taken off the most right yeah um since since technology has kind of become so integrated in our society, it's either the web or now the mobile space is the hot new goodness. But there's little reason for normal people to kind of lust after a computer, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't provide them with a lot of value if they're not in the technology space. Now, there are, like, plenty of applications where, like, even if you're not in a technology space, if you're in the graphics world, then a computer is useful. But even that is kind of taken over by Figma, and it's not great, <laughs> yeah. right? Um, so, like, yeah, that's that's the, the land we live in now. And we either embrace it and try to make it better, which I think Microsoft has been doing with Windows. Like, um, Electron apps no longer need need i i don't know if if this is what actually happens or not i haven't touched the windows computer in a decade um but (laughs) it seems like electron apps can use the system provided framework which means you don't need to duplicate an entire web browser with every app um which is like a perfectly great thing to do in terms of saving resources um whereas on the mac uh people are under the impression webkit is years behind chromium uh and therefore they don't want to use it when for the purposes that they're of what they're doing, like that's gonna get you a hundred percent of the way there, just as well as Chromium would. It's just you need to do something in a slightly different way, maybe. Um, right. 
but that's not cross-platform if I need to do yeah. something in a slightly different way. Um, but say. no one is, like, caring about, like, making the interface tailored anyway. So, like, at that point, then, no one, no one cares for uh, optimizing the experience because everything is fast enough now. Um, yeah. And it's not going to be Slack's fault that the computer runs out of juice when it is, like, <laughs> honestly speaking. Um, for a light workload, if I have Slack open, that will eat the most power. Yep. If I have Xcode open, then that will eat the most power because I'm doing other work and then Slack is insignificant in the background. Um, so, yeah. Yep. Good time. Sorry, Slack. You, you picked to make a... You, you decided to make an Electron app, so you're the one that we uh, use as an example the most. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's the only one that we use regularly. <laughs> Yeah, and you don't allow multiple windows, and I would like give a little bit of a pass if that was the case. It's like they allow multiple windows. You open it in Safari, and then you have multiple. windows. That's the worst. Though. And it no. is like, what's the point of having an app at that point? I don't exactly. know. Exactly. <sighs> yeah, and there was a whole thing, and I'm I'm pretty sad about this. Is like Jira is removing their Mac app, which is a bummer because we use Jira at work, and I actually really like the Jira app like without having to go into the website and mm -hmm. and that yeah. is a native app like it's using uh, yeah. ui frameworks that are provided by the system and are ostensibly probably faster than the web frameworks that can emulate that as best they can um yeah. because that's that's what they're doing they're emulating the code to so that way it can run on your system which is not great when you have a supercomputer at your disposal like sure that's a one you can run emulators all day which is yeah. what the web is um, or you can run native stuff and not consume all the power in existence. Yeah, but yeah, that whole thing is is super interesting. And you you see companies go back and forth like Dropbox. They had their dichotomy a while ago about you know cross platform or not. And I think they're on the native train right now. But you know it's like you got to make the the decision of where do you spend your resources. And unfortunately, people I think think that the easy way out is cross platform when. It gives a worse experience, although it's probably faster to make. And that's ultimately, I think. I mean, you can hire 100 people to work on your cross-platform app. Or you can yeah. hire five people each to work on the individual platforms. Yeah. And there's like, what, three of them? Um, and there, you have tailored experiences. They I all know. look different. Who cares? Because the same person's not using all three of them. You know? Yeah. Um, if the same person's using two of them, they use both of those platforms. And they would appreciate them being slightly different. That's all yeah. there is to it. And following um, UI design guidelines that for the platform. Yeah, that makes sense. But yeah. alas, I'm not put in charge of big companies for the reason that I'm not in charge of big companies. So that's that. Well, we're going to get you there so you can change change them from the inside. Oh, complete their code. Um, <laughs> the real code. I think that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> All right. See ya. <laughs> Bye.